As we draw near to this end of summer road trip series, uh, we've looked at fruitfulness, obedience to God's word, loving others, and rest. And all these signs along the way have led us um, to better understand our journey to be able to how we want to live more like Jesus. Um, We encounter uh, Jesus in the Bible and we see all these different types of relationships that he has had in his lifetime. So today, we're going to explore why we need others in our lives. Author Brene Brown says that people are hardwired for connection. And I totally believe that statement. Whether you are an extrovert or an introvert, we still have a desire for true connection. But when there are life's roadblocks along the way, those unexpected detours, how do we walk alongside people in our lives when they are weary and they are going through something hard? I want to be there for people, but sometimes I feel really awkward. I don't know what to say, I don't want to impose, and I don't know how to fix their situation. So today's story stuck out for me as we think about our relationships in our life. When hardship comes, how do we be good friends, good spouses, good co-workers to those people that we care about? So in John chapter 11, we find Jesus and his disciples in Jerusalem. They got word that his friend Lazarus uh, was very sick, and he lived over in Bethany, and Mary and Martha, his sisters, had sent word. And I'm sure these girls were so worried about their brother. They knew Jesus would know exactly what to do, exactly what to say, and he cared for his family a lot. We see a lot of stories in the Bible. You remember the two sisters, one was working, one was at Jesus' feet. Um, Mary was the one that anointed Jesus' feet with oil, and then she used her hair. So he obviously spent a lot of time with this family. He loved them so much. Jesus definitely heard what they said. He understood exactly what they needed, but he didn't leave right away. It wasn't like he was a thousand miles away. He was only two miles away from Bethany. And then he actually stayed for another two days. They were hurting, so why didn't he come? When hurt, grief, and fear make our way into our lives, it's hard to know what to do, and it makes us feel even uneasy at times. So just like Jesus, what are we going to do next? Well, as Jesus is finally making his way to Bethany to see Mary and Martha, he already knows something miraculous is going to take place. And he's already explained this to the disciples that this situation is going to be used for God's glory, but they just kind of don't get it. (laughs) Unfortunately, Lazarus has died. And his body has been wrapped, and it's been put in a tomb. And so now all of their friends and their family are gathered there to support these two sisters on their loss. Martha heard Jesus was on his way, and so of course she just like made a beeline towards him. And I'm sure in her grief she was confused. And this is why this was the first time that she had even seen him. And she said, Lord, if you had been with us, my brother would not have died. Even so, I still believe that anything you ask of God will be done. Jesus listens. He tenderly talks with her. 
And then the other sister, Mary, joins Jesus, and she says almost the exact same thing. Lord, if you had been there, my brother, he'd still be alive. When people are hurting or they're confused, the best gift that we can give to them is the gift of listening. Jesus shared, but ultimately he heard Mary and Martha. He didn't hush them. He didn't go, bup, 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 He didn't do that. He didn't say, I got this, guys. He reminded them of his promises and his truth. You know, for myself, my listening skills are not always on point. And I don't know why, but maybe for the people that I love the most, my kids and my husband, they're starting to tell me things. And in my mind, my mind just kind of going faster than my ears. I'm thinking, how can I fix this situation? Maybe I'm not super interested. Um, I just, I apologize all the time because I just always cut them off. It's something that I have to work on. And even though that's not cool, for us, we need to be able to listen to the people that we love in our life in order for them to heal so that they can let the stress out, that they just want the freedom to share their story because it matters and it helps them know that we understand. A growth point in our relationships is asking the question of yourself, can we listen well? Are we letting others finish their sentences? Are we providing those close to us the opportunity to share safely? You know, we're going to find ourselves on either side of these circumstances where pain and grief and confusion are involved. And when those in our lives have shared, they really, they want to be heard from us. I don't want to end up being the wrong voice as well, because we have to be careful once they're done sharing that we fill in the holes with ideas that are not even there. Wrong voices are unhelpful. And sometimes what we do is we kind of like project all of our stuff onto their story. And sometimes the words that we're sharing, they're negative and they're draining to an already stressful situation. It's kind of exactly what we talked about last week with social and emotional rest. Uh, For me, I had this circumstance in my life where this wrong voice happened over and over every now and then, and I just trusted this one person. I believed them. But multiple times, people I looked up to, people I loved, my best friend, my mentors, people that I trusted, even my husband, I chose not to listen to them because I just assumed the best would happen. Um, And you know what? They ended up being right. And I probably would have saved myself so much stress and heartache if I just prioritized those truthful voices in my head first. So some simple ways that we can be a better listener is pick the right time to talk. Are you in the middle of something? When a friend calls during work or you're at home making dinner, ask them, you know, is there a time that we can meet later? Because you cannot dedicate all of that time. You're, even though we can all, you know, um, multitask, it's just not going to happen. Number two is ditch the distractions, uh, like your phone or your work, put it away. I had this boss one time at work, and we would go in for weekly meetings, and he was sitting at his desk. We were all sitting around um, in the chairs around him, and you knew the second, the second that he was done with that conversation and his ears had turned off, he would just be like, unbelievable, unbelievable, 
unbelievable. He would just keep saying that word over and over and you know he was done. So we need to ditch those distractions. Third is to listen with ears to hear and have a heart of compassion. You know, if there's a topic that's kind of touchy, um, something that we can just kind of feel our blood pressure rising, maybe it's even about yourself. We need to be able to resist the urge to have an immediate defense and just lean into humility. Be mindful of what this person is sharing with you. And number four is to be able to speak the truth in their life. No one needs more judgment or shame heaped on an already stressful situation. Negativity is not going to help their current situation. So back to the story, Mary was at Jesus' feet and her body, it shook with sobs. And when Jesus saw Mary's profound grief and moaning and the weeping of her companions, he was deeply moved by their pain. In his spirit, he was intensely troubled. And the crowd brought Jesus over to Lazarus' tomb. And as they walked, Jesus wept. And everyone noticed how much Jesus must have loved Lazarus. You know, sometimes we forget that Jesus was a person. Just like us, he had the same range of human emotions. He understood. He felt the loss of Lazarus. And he wept with them. And he was unafraid to show his emotions. You know, navigating hard times and conflict and conversations, it's never going to be perfect because it's up to us to try and be present. In an abstract sense, it's kind of like the big picture. It's one thing to say, yeah, I am going to be there for my friends and my family all the time. But it's a whole different ballgame when it's practical, right? When a friend calls and says, I have cancer. My marriage is breaking apart and I'm struggling. I'm scared and I don't know what to do next. When the rubber hits the road, are you ready? Can you be truly someone people can count on to be there? One idea that I've been tossing around lately, I've been hearing a lot about, is understanding the word sympathy versus empathy. And you might think, well, aren't those exactly the same? Well, sympathy is when someone is going through something and you comfort them or support them. We have many aisles at the grocery store, all the greeting cards dedicated to this. It's like when we say, uh, when somebody's lost a loved one, I'm so sorry for your loss. An artist that has impacted me in the last year and sharing some amazing concepts over on Instagram is Danielle Koch. Um, Here is a picture of something that she put up about surface-level sympathy cards, and I think we've all said this before, you know, everything happens for a reason, right? It could be worse. It is what it is. I mean, when you are going through a deep loss and somebody says it is what it is, that is not comforting, right? (laughs) So, um, you know, we've all used some of these before. We've all been told some of these before. And sometimes we say things to be kind, and we don't realize until things happen to us that these kind of words are unhelpful. And obviously no one is trying to be mean. It is an awkward situation. But these statements have kind of just bubbled up in society, and so they just pop out of our mouth. So instead, in the future, we want to be more empathetic. 
Empathy is more than just acknowledgement. It is when we can put ourselves in someone else's shoes and we have experienced a similar situation. It's having an understanding and just sharing emotion with them. You know, most times I can do this well. You're just getting all the goods here today. (laughs) However, you know, we had some crazy weather this last week. Um, My daughter, Edie, she does not care for them. Storms, they do not bother me one bit. I've been praying for seven years for a hailstorm to hit all sides of our siding. It still has not happened. But Edie, she she hates it. She hates storms so much. And so um, I was not being very empathetic with her this week. And so afterwards, as I was writing this, we asked her, what is some way that we can better help you? And uh, she needs her Chromebook with theweather.com on at all times. And she also said, Mom, Dad, I need you guys to not talk in hushed voices. I I didn't realize we were doing that, but I think as a parent, we just, we don't want to alarm anyone if we have to go into the basement. And so those are some of the things that we have learned to help with her. Danielle Koch says, we need to empathize according to their needs, not what you think they need. So um, those are just some things to think about because when challenging life storms come, and they will, will you be the friend that shows up with coffee a tub of ice cream, or maybe something even stronger. And you just listen and hold their hand, and you possibly even weep with them. Instead of saying, I'm so sorry in a text, and you put it away and you go on with your day, do you bring them a meal? You encourage them that you have seen their strength in the past, and they are strong, and they are capable. Or you pray with them, when words can't even be put together from them, that you pray over them, that, that's when true relationships are forged. Secondly, I found it interesting that John notes twice in the text that people gathered in Mary and Martha's home offering support and comfort. I believe God values the community of people he builds around us. It's possible Jesus stayed away longer so that they offered some of these people to come in and support and love on these two women. It's so honoring that we, all of us, we get to be an extension of God's love to the people in our lives. In all of our relationships, we have to be able to celebrate each other, rejoice in the good, and also carry each other when we are brokenhearted and we are knocked down. Do we have any Tolkien, Lord of the Rings fans in the house today? Okay, one, solidarity, yes. Okay, Darren, all right, I would never know that. I would never know that. Well, Eric, my husband, he does not get it either, and that's fine, that's cool. Um, I love that what this author does, he has friendship woven into all of these stories. So in J.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, the main character, Frodo, He is exhausted, and he cannot manage to get himself up to the top of Mount Doom. His friend Sam, who's been with him through every part of the journey, he wants to help him. But Frodo insists that he has to do it himself. Sam listens, and he honors Frodo's wishes, and he says, I can't carry it for you, but I can carry you. 
And so then Sam proceeds to physically carry Frodo up the top of the mountain. That, that is true friendship. We will never be able to carry each other's burdens, but we can emotionally carry each each other up the mountain when it is difficult. So what are some easy ways that we can empathize better? One, it's just proximity, being able to be with someone so that they know that you care. It's just by showing up. And because of technology, we can do that anywhere. We have FaceTime. We have Zoom. I know everyone's sick of those, but we have all of those things. And you can just show up and sit up on their front porch. Second is asking questions. You know, everyone says, how are you doing? And somebody says, I'm doing okay. And then you kind of just go on the conversation. I'm going to encourage you and say one more question after that. If they say okay, just say, could you tell me more? Because then those three little words, they allow them to be vulnerable and to share their heart. Then later you have more information, how you can continue to encourage them and support them in whatever it is that they're going through. And third is, just like Jesus wept, it is beautiful to share emotions. A couple weeks ago in our summer conversation series with the women of Westridge, a woman shared her story. And for me, immediately I start thinking about um, how that must have felt as a mother, a wife, a daughter, a friend. And no surprise, like I am sobbing outside on the lawn, just crying. I know that's hard to believe. Um, She wasn't crying at all. And so at the end, I gave her a hug. And she said, in a weird way, she felt like her story was validated because I was able to understand and support her through those tears. So finally, in this story, this funeral group of sorts, they kind of made it to Lazarus' tomb, and many people have heard of Jesus. They have witnessed so many of his miracles. One more person kind of like whispered to a friend, like, if this man can give sight to the blind, he could have kept this guy from dying. And I probably would have been thinking the same thing. I mean, it's true. If he loved this guy so much, why didn't he show up a couple days ago? It's obvious. As Jesus is wiping the tears from his face, he heard the crowd's rumblings. They just didn't get God's bigger picture. So then Jesus, who was intensely troubled by all of this, he approached the tomb. It is a small cave, and it had this massive stone rolled in front of it. Jesus motioned to the tomb, and he asked for the stone to be moved from its entrance. Kind of shocked and confused, Martha explained, like, Lazarus, he's been in there for four days. Like, it's really, it's going to smell real bad, okay? It's going to be bad. But Jesus said, remember, I told you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God. So they removed the stone, and Jesus lifted his eyes toward heaven. And he said, Father, I am grateful that you have heard me. I know that you are always listening, but I proclaim it loudly so that everyone here will believe you have sent me. And after these words, he called out in a thunderous voice, Lazarus, come out. And then the man who was dead walked out of his tomb, bound from head to toe in a burial shroud. It's amazing. Like, I 
can't even imagine what that must have felt like to see everybody's faces in the crowd. Talk about shock. Jesus knew exactly what he was doing the second he got the message from Mary and Martha. His timing is perfect. In our last Women of Westridge study, we understood that the Jewish people, they believed that uh, when a person died, their spirit would hover over the body for three days in the hope that the body would come back to life. So Jesus, always knowing everything, he wanted to prove that this was God and not anything else. He purposely waited to raise Lazarus from the dead. And he wanted to be sure that everybody knew Lazarus was truly gone and God, he would take all the credit. So obviously, we don't have the power to raise people from the dead. Jesus was making a strong point here and proving that he was God through this miracle. But we have the same opportunity to give life to others to point others to Jesus when it is hard. Jesus intentionally shared with his disciples, Mary and Martha, throughout this experience, and he said, remember, I told you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God. Mary, Martha, and all of those there that day experienced God's intentional love and hope. It came alive. Because of us hearing our friends' stories, we get to witness change. We get to see healing, and we get to see God's work when we are living our lives closely to them. It is so amazing to witness and to be there to walk through all of that mess, all that yucky stuff, and then we get to experience God through their story. I hear people say all the time, I just really... I really want more friends in my life. And I'm here to tell you, they're not gonna just show up on your door, okay? If we don't have a community of people in our life, we're gonna be left with no one to talk to. Bitterness is probably gonna build up in our hearts. And it's gonna be harder and harder to let people in. Our conversations are gonna become shallow, surface, And so as a follower of Jesus, a great place to start is to lean into our relationship with God. And then we can start finding our community. And, you know, it's hard to build, especially when we get older. You know, I think about the times when I was in college, you just like walk over to somebody's dorm room and be like, hey, you want to get pizza? Or as little kids in the playground, you walk up to some strange kid and you're like, let's go play. And now we're best friends. Um, Life gets in the way. But anything that is worth doing, it takes time. We have to be intentional, be willing to test out the waters. And I'm sure many of us have been burned by bad relationships. I know I have. And it's hard, it's really hard to get back out there and try again. So let's focus on one or two people in your life this week. And if you don't have anyone, I just encourage you to pray and hope that God shows you new opportunities to meet friends. Or we have opportunities here. Start volunteering. You can go in the cafe or Westridge Kids um, or join our Sunday Connections team. You know, the men's have breakfast every second Saturday of every month. The women of Westridge, we have our summer conversation series tomorrow night. 
We have opportunities. They're available. So let's be willing. Let's listen well. Share our empathy and be intentional. In our world, these things are uncommon, right? Jesus, he was uncommon. So let's glorify God in all of our relationships moving forward. Lazarus walked out of the tomb that day alive and well, and I can just imagine the dinner table that night. Lazarus was raised from the dead, and now this crowd that had been mourning him, they were there having dinner together. It was bustling with wonder and laughter and stories of their shared lives. I can imagine the look on Martha's face as she grasped her sister's hand and they shared a smile. They joined in in conversation. Bread was broken and guests lingered and listened to the words of Jesus as he spoke into their hearts. This man, the Son of God, was working on a plan that would forever allow us to sit at his table. Jesus knew the meaning of this moment for our community, for us. Because not too much later, Jesus' own body would be laid to rest in a tomb. He would be in a similar burial shroud and covered with a giant stone. Sadness and tears would be shed. But three days later, he too would be raised to life. And because of our relationship with him, God, God is a friend who is always intentional. He's there for us. He always believes what the wise Olaf said. Sometimes people, they're worth melting for. You know, his sacrifice was worth it. He wants community with you and for you. So let's look around our tables this week. Let's gather our people. Let's love them well. And so that we can walk through this life and we can glorify him.